0: We are glad to have you all here today. This is a kind of a special day for me in that I, I, there are some, you know, you have to ask questions to get God's attention. This isn't something I just, you know, came up with. This is, some, I ask God questions about things. And a couple of years ago, I began to ask questions, uh, among other things, um, about the, the fall of man. And I think it was... Um, earlier this year, I finally began to vocalize that I had done that and some of the things that I was learning, but that I was not ready to teach it, and I needed to get a little bit more understanding of what was going on there, but we're going to delve into some of this here today, and I know I am going to challenge some of the things that you think about the fall of man, about the garden, and about the situation of the world. We're going to challenge you on a couple of things as to... Why was the serpent cursed? Many people may never have asked that question. I asked that question. Why was the serpent cursed? If it was the devil, then the curse should stay with him. If the devil possessed the serpent, then still the serpent shouldn't be, possessed, shouldn't be punished for it. If the serpent did something by himself, why are the rest of the serpents punished? See, I asked that question because I'm not sure about that. So I wanted to, I wanted to know why is, uh, why is that thing going on. And um, I also wanted to know this. Did anybody ever, did you ever ask this question? Why did the serpent tempt Eve? I asked that question. Why did the serpent tempt Eve? Now, some people will give you a really stupid answer and say, well, she's the weaker vessel. That is false. So we're going to show you some things in the Word of God today. We're going to be all over. I don't know. I've already cut out a whole lot. And I, I'm hoping that I can get through all this in the amount of time. But after we get done to service, you know, sometimes like I see it goes on an hour and f- hour and 15. Steve, why are you so long-winded? <laughs> and I try and get it under control. But um, this one's going to be tough because I've been asking questions about some of these things. and been pondering them. And I can finally prove to you that the state of the world is not what we think it was. So we're going to show you some of these things that are in the Word. Remember, good questions, questions that get God's attention are questions that have faith. They believe the things of God. They have faith in God. They trust God. They have patience. Contentment in the things that we have and thanksgiving. If you are going to have a good question, if you're going to ask a good question of God, a question is going to get God's attention. It's going to have those five qualities. If you're missing those, those things, it's going to hurt the question. But last week we asked this question, are you happy? And sometimes that's a question that comes up inside of us. It's a simple question, but it gets us to question our well-being. It gets us to envy what we don't have. Covet the things of other people and judge how others have dealt with you. It gets us to do all sorts of stuff, but whatever it is, it gets us into a place where we are not content. And the enemy will then come in and he wants you to uh, pursue things you're not supposed to pursue. And we left you with this last time that many people want worship, but they pursue entertainment. Many people understand Uh, Want to understand God's word, but pursue what is easy to process or adapt to. Many people want a prayer life, but pursue ritual and repetitious and meaningless words. These things are not good. Now, here in this one, Adam and Eve, this is one of the examples I wanted to bring us to in this. Because I can't get away from the fact that the underlying question that is posed to the woman... Are you happy? Now, she's in a place that we consider to be perfect. They don't have to work for their food. They're not struggling in any way. Fashion, out the window. They don't got to raise money to go to the store. And he asks a question that basically says, Are you happy with how things are? If you are not happy with where your life is, it does not mean your situation is bad. Adam and Eve's situation was not bad. But the enemy is going to try and get you to look at your situation and how things could be better. What are you being denied? How much better would life be if you had more money? If you had more fame, more respect, better cars, better houses, better kids, better parents, better friends, more friends. The more that you look to what you don't have, the less you will value what you do. And this is certainly what happened with Adam and Eve. Now, let's turn over to Genesis chapter 3. There's going to be a lot of scriptures here today. I didn't have Daryl pull all of them up there. Are some of them I am just going to read for you, but I put them in your outline so you can go home and look them up if you want to. Verse 1. Now, the serpent was more cunning then any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now some assumptions that go in with this. So a lot of assumptions that happen with this story that are not in the story. There is nothing in the Word of God that says this. But people will come to this. Now here's, I'm going to give you the first one here. Maybe you have uh, believed this, held to this. The serpent is the devil. You tell me where in that verse we just read tells me the serpent is the devil. Tell me one thing in this chapter that says that the devil is in the garden. There is nothing in there that says the serpent is is the devil. Now, in Revelation chapter 12, it talks about that serpent of old. And we'll get to that in a little while. If that's going around your head, don't think I forgot it. Now, the devil does not take over the serpent. There is nothing in this passage that says the devil took over the serpent. In fact, the devil is not even mentioned. We get to a spot in Scripture where the Lord says to the serpent, because you have done this. I want to ask you this question. We haven't gone through all the story yet, but you have read this. How many people have read this before? Yeah, we've read this a few times. We know what the man do. What did the man do? The, no, listen, don't, don't look at the story. Look at the words of Jesus. What did, what did Jesus say to Adam? because you have listened to your wife. He doesn't come out and say what the woman did, but we have a list of things that the woman did. But when he turns to the serpent, he says, because you have done this and there is nothing that states what the serpent did. If we don't know what the serpent did, we're not going to understand this story too well. You kind of have to understand that. So there's a couple of things that, that could be going on here. And so we want to take a look at at what this might be. Now, we're going to go back over here. In these I want to read these scriptures again. And I'm going to have you repeat some parts. I go under the assumption, you've heard me say this before. Many of you believe this as well. That any time in a passage that words are repeated, they're important. How many believe that? If you have a passage and a few words are constantly repeated... Those words mean something. They are to draw your attention to a thing. So, we're going to let this draw our attention to it. Let's go back over here. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast, what? Read it. Of the field. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. What does of the field tell us? Location. He's of the field, right? Keep that in mind. Which the Lord God had made. The serpent was made by God. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree? What? Of the garden. Trees not of the field. Trees of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Three verses of scripture, three times we hear the phrase of the garden, one time we hear the phrase of the field. Would that make you get your attention? Got me, mine. This is one of those things. I was asking God a question on some things. On this. And I, I mean, it, this has been going on for a couple of years. And I've been, I was meditating, one particular day I was meditating on this, meditating on this, going over this thing. Just, I'm just kind of playing around. There's a lot of times I pursue things and it's just for me. As far as I knew, this is just something I I just want to know. If I ever get to teach it, that's great. But I just want to know some things. And so I'm just asking these, these things about it. And one day, he woke me up in the middle of the night. And I always have my phone next to me. All those people who say the phone gives you terrible things. Great, I go home earlier. That's okay with me. But I have my phone right there. And when, it, when he said, did you notice in the Bible that it said that the trees were of the garden... And the beast was of the field. I said, I did notice that, but I didn't take, I didn't really make it a point. So I got up and I looked. Yeah, it's there. All right. I wrote it down, made some notes and some things, and I said, I am going to dive into those words and find out what do those words mean? What does that mean? Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice. Where? In the garden. That's five times. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman you gave me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast, what, of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel." Jump on down to verse 18. We're going to cover the rest of the verses. But both, this is talking to Adam. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring for you and you shall eat the herb of the field. Of the field. Up until the fall, what was man, what was Adam and Eve supposed to eat? Trees of the garden. After the fall, what are they to eat? Herbs of the field. Where are the beasts? Every time you see beasts, and we're going to look at some other verses. We have not looked at all the verses yet. Every time we see the beast mentioned in the book of Genesis here in this creation time, it is always beasts of the field. Trees of the garden. One thing stands the mind, and we just read it, and you may have just skipped it. Cattle. I want you to notice something. The cattle have no location. Two times they are mentioned, and both times it says cattle. It mentions right in this spot, beasts of the field, trees of the garden, and cattle. Why is there no location on the cattle? Why do we have constantly, every time we have beasts mentioned, they are beasts of the field. Every time we have these trees mentioned, they were the trees of the garden. But cattle, now some translations will put this in there this way, they will put domesticated animals. Now one thing you'll notice about cattle, cattle is, consists of sheep, lambs, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, cows. Uh, these, all these animals, are listed as cattle, and they're used by people, but they don't eat you. Sheep won't eat you. They don't. They don't. They eat other stuff. But the beasts of the field, they can eat you. Now, many times the assumption has been that the state of the world. Was that lions ate plants? That all those animals out there ate plants. And how many know the verse of scripture in Isaiah that says, The lion will lay down with the lamb? How many know that verse? Every single one of you remembers it wrong. You are not alone. We'll, we'll get to that verse. But it doesn't say the lion and the lamb. It says the wolf and the lamb. How many comes as a little surprise to you? It says the wolf and the lamb. It does not say the lion and the lamb. You can go to any translation you want to. It's wolf. It says the lion will eat straw. It does not talk about the lion laying down with the lamb. And that describes a state that we have not gotten to yet. For some reason, people have assumed that's the state of the garden. So my question to God way, way, way back when I started with this thing was, God, why would you create lions, tigers, bears, all these different things with teeth to devour and not have them eat them, eat what they were made to eat? Why would you make them this way and then have them eat plants? And then when the man falls, now they all eat stuff. So I was medited because I wasn't satisfied with with how that was. And it finally dawned on me. This word garden, it is used forty-two times in the Bible. In the Old Testament, this Hebrew word is used forty two different times. Thirteen of those times referring to Eden. It means enclosure. Now you know when you make a garden, what do you first do? You put a fence around it. You put an enclosure on it because you want to keep things outside of the garden so that the things outside don't come inside and eat what's in the garden because you want the things for your garden. My wife gets so mad once we have something that's able to get through the fence and it comes in. A groundhog got through the fence and it ate my. And She'll say what it ate. Oh, she gets mad at that groundhog. She wants me to get a shotgun and go take care of that sucker. She would not shed a tear if that, if that thing died. She'd sit there and look at it, bleed. <laughs> She's angry at that, that sucker because he keeps breaching the fence, coming on in. God set up an enclosure. Now, this might come as a surprise to you. When the garden is created, there are three zones that are described. But before the garden is created, there are two. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts that were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from his work, which God had created and made. This is the history of the heavens. And the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens before any plant of the what? Of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. And there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. He planted a garden. The earth is already here. God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made every tree grow that is pleasant in the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from there it parted and became four riverheads. The name of the first is is Pison. It is the one that's which skirts the whole land of Havilla, which uh, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is Good. Bdellin and Onyx and Stone are there. And the name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hadekel. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of the, every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. Now, before we go any further on that, I want you to take a look at this. Man was created, God planted the, the, the garden, and it said in the verse before, verse 16, look at verse 16 again, And the Lord God commanded the man saying, I'm sorry, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Put him in the Garden of Eden. How many people planned this afternoon to go in your house? How many people? All of you. You know why? Because you are not currently there. How many plan to go in your car to get home? You go in your car because you're not currently there. If you are in your car, do you save yourself? Well, I'm going to go in my car. You're already there. In the garden means Adam was not in the garden. God put him in the garden. He was somewhere else. Now, remember that Adam was called into duty to name all the beasts of the field. And then God put him in the garden. He was in the field. Now he's in the garden. Got different places. So, verse 16. Well, verse 15 talks about the Garden of Eden. 16 says, Of every tree of the garden. Verse 19, Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field. And every bird of the air. That's the other one we get. The birds of the air. The birds, every time they're mentioned, they are birds of the air. Beasts are of the field. The trees of the garden are of the garden. Doesn't mean there's no trees anyplace else, but the trees of the garden are different. They're unique. They are of the garden. Out of the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them and whatever Adam called each living creature that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. To all the cattle of the what? It's not there, is it? He named all the cattle. He named all the birds of the air and he named all the beasts of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. They shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So, Adam had been in the field and was able to name all these animals. But now he's put into the garden. And he's to eat the trees of the garden. And the woman is to eat the trees of the garden. But of all the animals that were there, none was found that was suitable or one that would be helper. We got more to look at of that later on. We're gonna, we're gonna come back to that. Verse 24. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing, the beasts of the earth, of the earth. Did you see that? This is chapter 1, verse 24. I'm sorry, I may not have said that. Genesis 1, 24. The Lord God said, they, let the earth bring forth the living creature." This is before we have the garden. Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the... Why are they not beasts of the field? Same person is right in chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Everybody know who that is? That is Moses. And in case anyone is wondering... The word that Moses used for serpent that came into the garden is the exact same word he used for serpent when his staff turned into one. And it's the exact same word he used when the fiery serpents came and bit the Israelites. If we want to think that that serpent is anything different, the same person wrote that chapter, also wrote about those other things, and he used exactly the same word. Which tells us that what's in the garden is exactly what we think it is. It's a snake. Let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth according to its kind and so it was. Nor God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. That's the first time we've seen that one, isn't it? Of the birds, of the air, and over all the cattle, over all the earth. It does not say field. It is a different word that is used. So God created a man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is in the face of all the earth and every tree whose fruits yield and to you. It shall be for food also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food and it was so and God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So, I'm going to propose to you this. Before God made the Adam, there was the air, there was the earth, and there was the sea. After God made the garden, there was now a distinction in the land. And instead of the earth, we now have of the garden or of the field. Once He made the garden, we no longer refer to the beast of the earth, we refer to the beast of the you think that's a mistake? I don't think my, my Bible doesn't make mistakes like that. That's intentional. It's not just done once. It is done. How many times did I read? Of the earth, of the earth, of the earth, of the earth. How many times did we read? Of the field, of the field, of the field, of the field. Beasts of the earth became beasts of the field. The garden is a barrier. My belief in what was going on here is that in the garden was not a place for beasts of the field. The wild beasts that would come in and would eat prey were not allowed in the garden. They were not permitted in the garden. They were of the field. Now, that's a whole lot of time to spend on that. Why in the world did I spend so much time on that? Because of this. The serpent is what? A beast of the field. Where is he? He's in the garden. Can you see a problem? He is not supposed to be in the garden. He is. But he's not supposed to be in the garden. He is a beast of the field. They are of the garden. It's subtle. I'll give you that it's subtle. But I'll tell you. Why else does God put into scripture of the field, of the field, of the field, of the field, of the air, of the garden, of the garden, of the garden, of the field, of the... Why does he do that all the time? He's establishing the boundaries. So, here's my question. Is what the serpent did, is it merely trespassing? Is he being punished... Because he is where he's not supposed to be. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he's being punished for something much greater than this. But he is not where he is supposed to be. Now, that word there, of the earth, that word earth there is used 2,504 times in the, word of, in the Old Testament, I should say. Translated, land, earth, and nations. It is used nine times in just these eight verses. Verse 30, And to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, And it was so. These things could go and they could they could eat of all the things that were there. Now there was the beast of the earth did not say the beast of the field. That was chapter 1. In Micah chapter 7 we may come back to this again. Verse 16 The nations shall see and be ashamed of all their might. They shall put their hand over their mouth. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall crawl from their holes like snakes of the earth. Thus they shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of you. He calls them snakes of the earth there in Micah. So the Lord God verse 2, uh, Genesis two fifteen again. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden, intended to, to keep it, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely? But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you may surely die. Now, some people may come out of here with the idea that I can eat nothing but fruits that grow in a tree and be healthy. You would be wrong. Because we do not have all the trees of the garden. There were some special trees in that garden. We know of two special trees that were in the garden. One was pulled up and taken up into heaven. The other one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... We don't know what happened to that, but the tree of life that's taken up and put in heaven. That's not here anymore. That is gone. You can't eat of that one. There were some probably some other trees that had some other fruit on it. And man could live apparently on those fruit, those trees. But don't go out there trying to think, well, I can just live on fruit. Because you don't have those trees anymore. Now, how many people were here years ago when we, we spent time on the Garden of Eden and showed you where it was? A couple of people were, were here. We actually spent time. You, We know where, we should know. I know where the Garden of Eden was. There are four rivers that identified the, the Garden. Four rivers. Two of them exist now. The Tigris and the Euphrates. The Garden of Eden is not hard to f- pinpoint, even without the other two rivers. And the Garden of Eden is the land that God gave to Israel. It is from, it is the entire land. It is not just the state of Israel that they have now. It is the entire land of which he gave them. It was not a little tiny garden. It was a big area. And God grew some special things in there. And he, God seemed like he kept it a whole different world in here. In this world, you don't have to worry about snakes biting you. You don't have to worry about si- spiders biting you. You don't have to worry about lions sneaking up on you. Because you are in the garden, there is a barrier around that garden and you cannot, they cannot get in. Or at least they know they obey God. But something happened and this serpent got in. Whatever happened that allowed this serpent to come into the garden? Now, in Isaiah 65:25, I'm going to read this for you. I want you to see what it actually says. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. It is not lion and lamb. It is wolf and lamb. You see any spiritual significance with that? And dust shall be the serpent's food. This is talking about a state that is not yet to come, that has not come yet. It's not describing a past state. It is talking about the millennial reign. Apparently the serpents are still out there with the dust. They shall not hunt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. Now we could get more into that and what that means, but we'll get this too sidetracked here. Don't want to get sidetracked. Let's go over here to Genesis chapter 3 and 13. How many remember the Steve Urkel show? Whatever that thing was called. Family Family Matters? I love Steve Urkel. He's one of my favorite characters on there. And he had a phrase that he would use when uh, whenever he did something wrong. Did I do that? Remember that for all those? See, he just come out. Did I do that? Well, of course you did. But then after a while, a couple of seasons into it, it progressed into something. And once in a while, he would see something that the dad would do. And you remember what he would say? Look what you did. Can't say quite like he he just had a way of, look what you did. I didn't do that. You did it. Look what you did. Well, let's look what they did. Let's see what they did. And Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and you, he shall rule over you. Then he said to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake and toil you shall eat of it in all the days of your life. Now, to probably much of your disappointment, we are not spending a whole lot of time on the curse on Adam, nor are we spending time on the curse on the woman. I'm not trying to cop out. I just don't have time to cover it all. We're looking at The the serpent. What did he do? Now we know from the woman. It doesn't say he doesn't say what she did. Like he does with Adam. Adam comes out there because you have heeded the voice of your wife. We know that's what it was. It wasn't so much eating the fruit. It was because you heeded the voice of your wife. There's a lot in that. Well, we might get into some of it. But the woman, we know that she saw. Mostly, she ate and she gave. That's the main thing that she did. She ate from the tree and she gave to her husband who was with her. But she, first of all, after she heard, she took in the words. This is where it all started. She had the words of God, but she heard the words of the serpent and she pondered them. Don't be doing that. And then she saw, well, you know what? That tree does look pretty good for food. It says some other things that she did with that. So then she took it and ate and gave to her husband also. So we know what the woman did. Those are the things that she had done. The man Adam, he listened to his wife over God. That was the problem. He listened to his wife over God. When we look at what's done to the serpent, because you have done this, so what did the serpent do? Here's our choices so far. He trespassed. Seems like a heavy punishment to put on for somebody who's in the wrong spot. He told a lie. That lie is powerless if no one listens to it. Isn't that right? If Eve doesn't listen to this lie, it is a, it is a powerless group of words. No, I don't look at the look at the punishment that is on this, this beast. Now, when we get to this story, people are all the time saying, Well, how could she have a conversation with the serpent? How could she do that? How could she? Because we look at the serpent that we have now. I can't have a conversation with the serpent. We can't have that because I'm looking at the serpent now. But the serpent was cursed. And what I'm telling you right now, and this is no doubt about this, the serpents we have now are not the serpents they had then. Because you remember how it identified the serpent? Now the serpent was more cunning than all the beasts of the field that the Lord God created. There was something unique about the serpent. Why does the Bible spend a verse to let us know the unique condition about the serpent? Wouldn't you think that that's important? Isn't there something that we need to know? There's a reason I need to know the condition of the serpent before the fall. Pull up that uh, chapter 3 and verse 1. Instead of me finding it, I'm just going to read it over here again. Chapter 3, verse 1. All the way back to the beginning. I want you to see this. Yeah, well, we'll give you a minute. But that word there for cunning is actually a word that is used in other places in Scripture. It's not just used here. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the women. One of the things you will notice is the woman is not surprised. The woman is not shocked. She's not in fear. Which would tell me it is not unusual for the serpent to speak. Isn't that an easy, isn't that a logical conclusion? If you were to walk outside right now and there was a dog out in the parking lot and the dog said to you, I think your car needs an oil change. How many of you would be taken back by that? Because we don't understand the language of dogs. That would be a problem. She has no problem with this. She's having a conversation with the serpent. Because there was a difference in the serpent before the curse came upon them. Now, first off, they didn't crawl on their belly. I don't know what they did. Scientists are trying to say, well, it looks like there might have been some... They won't know. They won't know. I know this. It didn't crawl on his belly because part of the curse was that you crawl on your belly. Why in the world are you going to say to a serpent crawl on your belly if he's already crawling on his belly? Whatever is in the curse is a condition that is different from what he's experiencing. Now this is one serpent. One serpent that has come in. How many people are there on the earth? There are two far as we can tell, there's two. They haven't had any kids yet. There are two. That means that every person that will be born from this day forward will come under whatever curse is under Adam and whatever curse is under Eve. Because they're the descendants, right? This serpent is not the only serpent on the face of the earth. There are other serpents. There are other beasts of the field. There are other ones out there. If this serpent does something wrong, all God has to do is eliminate that serpent and the problem is gone. Would it be fair if you went home today and one of your kids was arrested for some crime and the police are waiting at your door for you to come home to say your son, your daughter was arrested for this crime. Therefore, the entire household is guilty. How many of you would fight that? How many of you get upset? What do you mean? I wasn't there. I didn't do it. If you were one of the other serpents, what do you mean? We didn't do nothing. We didn't go in the garden. We didn't speak the lie. Didn't God say in the word, in the word of God that the sins of the fathers will not be visited on the, on the sons? Why would he be putting this off on all the serpents? Doesn't there have to be something more than just the serpent was disobedient? The serpent deceived? Doesn't there have to be something more? Y'all know that I've, I think there is, right? Well, I have a conspiracy theory. How many like a good cons- conspiracy theory? Anybody like a good conspiracy theory? I love a good conspiracy theory. I mean, I just, they, they, I have an interesting conspiracy theory that I'm going to throw out here to you. Now, this word, the serpent was more cunning. This word means crafty, shrewd, sensible, and prudent. Three times it's used in Job and Genesis as crafty. Eight times it is used in Proverbs as prudent or the ability to foresee evil. It actually is used more times to describe a good trait than a bad trait. We see the serpent as bad. And so we see it as cunning, crafty, nasty. He's going to try and get in and deceive you. What this verse is telling me is that of all the beasts of the field that are out there, the serpent was second only to man. But he was not a compatible helpmate for man, so woman was made. But the next best thing you could find was this one. Look at what it says in this verse again. Now the serpent was more cunning, was more prudent, was more wise than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Doesn't compare to Adam. But as far as the beast of the field was concerned, the state of the serpent was above all of them. If you were looking for someone to make a pact with, to make a deal with, would you look for a lowlife or someone who had wisdom and ability? The serpent was more cunning. How many times have you read that? Just kind of wonder, why does God tell us about the state of the serpent? There's got to be a good reason why he tells us the state of the serpent. Not just throwing stuff out here, right? So here's my conspiracy theory. I believe that the serpent entered into an agreement with Satan, in which the serpent would receive something in exchange for doing Satan's bidding in. The garden. serpent knows I'm taking a little bit of a risk going into the garden and pitching this. So what's in it for me? So Satan had to have something that he could barter with that would make the serpent decide to do this. This is why the Word of God shows us he was exceptional above all the others. So this is what got Satan's attention. So the serpent breaks the boundary, finds a target, and delivers the message. What was not disclosed to the serpent was that God would get involved and a curse might be forthcoming. Now, this whole idea of a conspiracy theory would have a whole lot more merit if there were some other verse of Scripture that would verify this, will not you say? Well, dog on if there isn't one. If you would turn over to Luke chapter four and verse five, this is a familiar scripture to you. Then the devil, taking him, Jesus, up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you in their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Did you see that? Therefore, if you will worship me before all, will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you will serve. Satan knew, If I can tempt man to disobey God, I will become the God of this world, which is what he has been called, and if I am the God of this world, he pulls a serpent along. Look, I need some help on this. I need someone who's going to penetrate in the garden and make this deal. If you will do this, when I have this new kingdom, I will make you my second in charge. I will give you authority over the earth if you will do this. Doesn't it say? He gives it to whomever He wants. Well, apparently the serpent could talk. I'm not done. So if the devil sought out the most qualified of God's creatures to make a power deal, to get man to doubt and to move against God, that he would fall from that position and Satan would be there to take it up that he could turn the serpent into the same thing that Jesus turned the people of the church into. Isn't that what Jesus turned the people of the church into? That we rule and reign in his absence? Now the first part of this plan worked just great. The serpent pulled Eve into this and the authority switched and Adam was kicked out of the garden. But then the curse came in. Now look at this curse. You see, outside of this theory, and I don't know anybody else who spouses, who spouses, all right? I sometimes say, well, somebody else will say this, I don't know anybody else who's, who's ever looked at this in, in this way. So if you want to say, oh, pastor's just going off the deep end, that's fine, you can go ahead and do that. But take a look at this Curse. Because I'll tell you what, I've looked at this curse for years and I could never make heads or tails out of it. I could never make any sense. Why does this curse come on this serpent? What did he do? That the entire species is cursed. So Lord God said, because you have done this, what is this? From my point of view, because you have made this pact with Satan and entered into this agreement to take power away from my kingdom because you have done this. You are cursed more than all cattle. That word there for cursed is the exact same word that God put on the land for Adam. You are cursed more than all cattle. That word cursed, put on the ground, means it is not productive like it used to be productive. It needs help to make it produce and it didn't need to help before that curse put upon the serpent means he's not as productive as he was before. He's not as wise and as prudent as he was before. You are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. You went from being above all the beasts of the field to now below them. Does that make a little more sense? On your belly you shall go well, how in the world can he rule and reign in any way crawling around on his belly? And you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Now, there's all kinds of interpretations on this. Some people, you know, it's kind of like that, that phrase, eat my dust. You know, you are, you are behind. You are beaten all the time. There's also the thing about the snake that, um, you know, they have what they call, a, a, I think it's called a Johnson gland where the, the tongue comes out. And it actually takes the particles from the air, basically the dust from the air, pulls it back into its mouth, and it inserts the mouth the tongue into the Johnson gland. Does anybody not know that about snakes? Anybody not know that's how it how it how it, t- it it doesn't taste it with its tongue. It throws the tongue out. It pulls the particles out of the air. It pulls the tongue back into the tongue into the mouth. It takes the forked part of that, inserts it into the Johnson gland. The Johnson Gland tastes what's on there and they can decide what is out. So up until then, I would say that that little serpent had eyes they could see and had a better mode of transportation than crawling on the belly. But now you're not going to see like that. So now you are blind and not able to walk or however else they got around. How are you going to rule and reign with that? All the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. There will be a hatred. There will be a distrust. How many of you trust a snake? I mean, even people will like them. though you can't trust them. I like Rick Renner. He's a fun teacher, but he likes snakes. Anybody ever heard his snake stories? He's got terrible snake stories. I don't understand. He got he got this this one story. His his snakes, I can't stand hearing him tell it. I won't tell you the whole thing. But he used to love snakes, and he decided that he wanted a reticulated python. Anybody know what that is? It's a big snake. It also has a very nasty bite. From what I understand, I've never been bit by one. And he was at this this pet store, and this pet store had a reticulated python. I forget how big it was. It was a decent size. It was not a little one or two foot reticulated python. It was a decent size one. Its name was Lucifer. That should tell you something. He took this thing home. The, the pet shop wanted to get rid of it. It gave it to Rick. And Rick brought it home. And he put it in his apartment and he had a roommate. His roommate was so mad. His roommate didn't want to stay in the house, in the apartment, because this thing was there. And Rick tells a story one time when the snake got out of the cage. They are a strong snake. And it was able to lift whatever things were on the top, and it got free in the room. So he had to go into the room, catch the snake, get it back into the cage. At that point I'm just calling animal control um, I, but I wouldn't have that snake in my house I I'm just not that much into it no, you just you can't trust him. he may have been feeding the snake for weeks, months however long it may have been. that snake don't trust him there's, there's nothing you shouldn't trust the snake. how are you going to rule and reign with any authority and power given to you that Satan yielded? If they hate you, if they don't trust you, if they're afraid of you. And then here we get this part. Between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and and you shall bruise his heel. How many of y'all know that's talking about Satan? Why, if we are talking about a snake, do we end the curse talking about Satan? Anybody got that question? How many are saying, I got you now, Pastor? I see that right there. That's talking about Satan. You're thinking that, aren't you? Yeah. Do you remember in the, in the uh, Old Testament there was a prophecy given about the king of Tyre? And as this prophecy is given about the king of Tyre, we're not going to try and turn there and get into it. We've got too many scriptures as it is. As we're talking about the king of Tyre, we start off talking about a natural human king and eventually the prophecy moves into talking about Satan. Why does it start talking about the forces behind the king? Because the king represented the evil. Of the kingdom of Satan. And though we started out talking about the human form, we eventually began to talk about the spirit that was behind it. When Judas started off with Jesus, was Judas Satan? No, but eventually Judas gave into what the kingdom of Satan wanted to do. And he became a mouthpiece for that and he betrayed Jesus. How about the time when Peter? came to Jesus and said, you ought not to be talking this way. What does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Is Peter Satan? He is not. But he is speaking to the voice behind Peter that Peter yielded to and began to speak and to give vocal vocalization to what the devil wanted to say. And the same thing is going on here. The serpent decided to give a vocalization to what satan wanted to say and so the first part of the curse is on him for doing it and the second part of the curse is on satan for inspiring it this is not a new thing this is something that god has done in other places too if we spent some time we could show you other places where this was done but we're not going to spend all that time there because i still got one more question and i don't got a whole lot of time Why did the serpent target the woman? Why did the serpent target the woman? Now, God's plan was for the woman to help the man, be, the, be a helper for the man. In fact, it says no suitable helpmate had been found. Do you know that that word... Where are my notes for that? Let me see if I can pull this up here for you. That word for helper, when we got to find a helper for man, and they found the helper and woman. That word for helper that is used as the woman... Is the Greek word, I'm sorry, Hebrew, I love Greek. I don't like Hebrew. I'm used to saying Greek. It's the Hebrew word, Isir. It means deliverer. It not only means one who comes along to help, it means one who offers assistance, but has a connotation of a deliverer. Let me show you some of the verses where this is used. This verse is, this word is used in 21 verses in the Bible. In the Hebrew Old Testament. Twenty-one times we see this word used in Genesis two eighteen and twenty. This is the ones we're looking at. The Lord God said, "It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper, helper comparable to him." So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. For the but for Adam, there was no, not found a helper comparable to him. Two times that word is used there. Exodus chapter eighteen verses two through four. Three times we're going to see this word pop up. In Drethro, Moses' father-in-law took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back with her two sons. I'm sorry, one time in this one, three times in the other. With her two sons, of whom the name one was Gershom, for for he said, I have been a stranger in the foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. He was my help and did what? So the Lord came along and helped Moses and was his deliverer. That's one time when you see that paired up. Deuteronomy 33, 7 and 9. I gave you all these references. 7 and 29. And this he said of Judah, Hear, Lord, the voice of Judah, and bring him to his people. Let his hands be sufficient for him. And may you be a help against his enemies. Happy you are you, O Israel. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. Your enemies shall submit to you and you shall tread down their high places. The shield of your help. This word has the connotation of deliverance. Psalm 20 and verse 12. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. 33 and 20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. 70 and verse 5. But I am poor and needy. Make haste to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. My help and my deliverer. Our Lord, do not delay. Psalm 89, 19. Then you spoke in a vision to your Holy One and said, I have given help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. Psalm 115, 9 through 11. O oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. He is the help and their shield verse ten, O house of Aaron trust in the Lord he is their help and their shield verse 11 for you who fear the Lord trust in the Lord he is their help and their shield three times in that passage help and shield protection deliverance this is what this word has a meaning of not just helper not just someone who comes along and all oh, can you give me a hand with this no a help and a deliverer. This is maybe a little different idea than you've ever thought this word meant. Let's keep on going. Psalm 121, 1 through 2. A song of ascents. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. That's talking about help as far as deliverance. Daniel eleven thirty four. 34. I can't give you the whole context because we have to dive into the entire chapter. But now when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue. The help is coming. The deliverance is coming. One more, Hosea 13 and verse 9. O Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. I gave you 18 of the 21 verses where this is used. And in each one of these things, the help is teamed up with deliverance, with a shield with protection. When it says it was looking for someone to be a helper, it was looking for someone who would also come along and to help. Pull, can you pull up, Ethel, can you pull up that verse that talked about the, the woman being a helper? It may take you a little while to get there to it, and that's, that's okay. I wanted, to, I wanted to show you something else, and I didn't put it back in here. Now, if the woman... If, if the idea was that the woman would be the one who would offer help and assistance, it's also, well, you know, uh, I need to, to tend the garden. Woman, come along, help me out. If this is all that she's supposed to be, then why use this word? This woman is supposed to come along for help and deliverance. And when they po- pull this up on the screen, what I want you to see is this. When it is described, finding someone who is an appropriate, helpier for. The verses that come before, the very verse before this is the very verse that says there was a tree in the garden that is both, that is the knowledge of good and evil. As soon as that choice is announced, as soon as it is put that you have the tree of life and you also have the choice of this tree of good and evil, as soon as that is made known, guess what? It is not good that man would be alone. Why? Because he's going to face temptation. I need to find someone who is a helper for that. Now, we've all thought the wrong thing about this, but I guarantee you every single one of you knows what a wife's purpose is. Every single one of you lives that purpose out. How many have ever heard the phrase, happy wife? Happy life, right? Husband can be unhappy. What happens? Not much. Right? We go in a room by ourselves for a little while. You know, we take care. Not a big deal. But what happens if the wife is not happy? Come on, ladies. Everybody (laughs) is made to be unhappy. Now, you might have a few people that don't quite follow on that sort of thing, but you all know husband you thought about doing something oh no if my wife got wind of that mm -mm -mm. how many times does your wife ever say oh if my husband hears that i want to do that oh no she does it she goes out and she does it right comes on home oh by the way i did this what's the husband saying (laughs) now get this picture it's, it's gonna be different in every single marriage, it's gonna be a little bit stronger. But if that if the doctor tells the husband, Hey, you gotta watch what you eat and you need to eat more fruits and more vegetables and more oatmeal, and that husband goes over there and he reaches for the tasty cakes. Right? He's reaching for the tasty cake. What happens when he reaches for the tasty cake? What's the wife say? Oh no, you don't. No, you don't. Here's a piece of fruit. Isn't that right? How many husbands would do the same thing to their wife? The wife says, now get your picture of this. wife says, I really need to lose some weight. Right? And the, the wife goes out there and she gets dessert. How many husbands say, oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. No, no. No desserts for you. How many husbands would say that? None. None. We wouldn't say that, but how many wives would say at the no? You do not want any dessert. You do not want any dessert. The doctor told you your arteries are all clogging up, and we got to do some things. And you want to go out there and have a nice glass of whole milk, and you reach for the whole milk, and what's the wife say? No. You get the skim milk, isn't that right? Isn't that what goes on? The wife feels perfectly fine to step in and to curb his behavior you'll see it happen in the Walmarts husband reaches for no we're not buying that one but I like that one we're not buying that one right you never hear the husband we're not buying that one. Oh, yes we are <laughs> They don't happen that way why because the wife was made to come along to help him in the area of temptation So that if the husband, if Adam, reaches for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what's the wife going to say? Oh, no you don't. Get your hands off that tree. Right? What's Adam say when the wife is reaching for the tree? Apparently nothing. Why? You see, if you were the devil and you were going to attack this pair... Where do you need to make the attack at? Don't give me that he made the attack at the weaker vessel. What he did was he made the attack on the support that was supposed to keep the man from eating from the tree. Because he knew the role of the wife. Now, women, you better understand that role. Because when you let your flesh take over your body and your mind, And you begin to think all the things that your flesh wants to think about your husband, about your kids. You are no longer being that helpmate. You have sided yourself the same way that this woman did with the serpent. Because something came along and whispered in your ear. Your husband's doing this. Your kids are doing this. And you begin to think these things. And you lash out. You are not lashing out as the helpmate that God created. You have been pulled into a lower state. Than what you're supposed to be. Get yourself back into that state where you're supposed to be at. You are supposed to be the one who helps keep the man out of the area of temptation. Because God put it in you to speak those things out. Not because you're the weaker vessel, but because you got it in you and you know it. That's why you've been doing all those things and telling your husband what to eat, how to dress. All sorts of stuff like my wife does not tell me how to dress. I don't tell her how to dress ill either. You know, those wives come up. Brother Jesse was talking about that. I was listening to him this week. His wife comes in and says, does this dress make me look fat? He said, do I look stupid? (laughs) Wives, you have a role. If you're not a wife, don't worry about it. Holy Spirit can be that role for you. Keep you out of that area. You don't have a if you don't have a wife, it's all right, the Holy Spirit can be in that, that role for you. It's all right. But you see, there's a whole lot more going on in this garden. And the reason that God put the curse on all the serpents is so that the devil could never honor the deal and make out of the serpent what God would make out of the church. Can never do it because that entire group was cursed. You tell me why. So much time is spent on a curse on a serpent if only one serpent messed up. There's a reason for it. And I bet you won't find a better explanation than the one I just gave you. Ladies, what God has made you is someone that he desires to be a help and a deliverance from sin. Not one who encourages and one who pushes into him. You've got to make sure that the attitudes that you have are are formed from minds stayed on the things of God to help lead people away from temptation. Don't frustrate them and get them into it. Don't get caught up in pride. Don't get caught up in self-righteousness. Don't get caught up in other flesh attributes. Don't become corrupt. Don't lead people into temptation because you can do it. Eve led Adam into temptation. She was supposed to be the deliverer to help. You can be a deliverer in your family. You can be a deliverer for the people that are around you. Because for somehow, the way that God has wired women, you do not mind speaking your mind and getting people mad at you. Husbands, we generally try and keep people happy. So when you see something And the Spirit of God comes up and says, that's sin, call it sin, and you'll get up there and do it. You can have that side of you corrupted, or you can have that side of you be what God intended it to be. Husbands, you can let your wife be what God was meant her to be, or you can just ignore her and push her out. Choice is up to you. Would you all stand up with me? All started because the question was, Eve, Are you happy with how things are? Or can you see them possibly getting better? Can you see maybe a few changes here and there? you got all these things that you can have, but you don't have that one. Why don't you reach out and get it? Why don't you just reach out and take it? The enemy, man or woman, is going to try and get you to be dissatisfied with all the things that God has blessed you with. He's going to get you to be dissatisfied with your family, dissatisfied with what you know in the word, what dissatisfied with what God has blessed you with, dissatisfied with your job, dissatisfied with your church family, dissatisfied with how people treat you, dissatisfied with all sorts of stuff. Get out of the dissatisfaction and get to the place where you say, no, I am glad for all the things that God has given me and I will not move into a place where I forsake all that God has given me to look at the one thing I don't have. do that, keep your life happy. Don't become one who, oh, I got to have all this thing. I want to have this thing over here. Don't be that way. Father God, if if that's going to be good for me, I thank you that you'll send it my way. But I am so grateful for all the things that you have given me. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the life that is in us. I thank you for the knowledge of your word that is in us. I thank you for the presence of God that is in us all these things just keep continually growing day in and day out as we pursue you the enemy is always going to try and get us to look at something that we don't have tell us that we deserve it and we should have it he's going to try and get us to look at our spouse and see faults and never see what they were put in our life for there are things that you have equipped the women to do there are things you equipped the men to do But he sometimes gets us into a tizzy so that the women are cutting off the men from doing the things that they're supposed to do and the men are ignoring the women on the thing they're supposed to be doing. And then we're weaker. Our marriages aren't strong. Our families aren't strong. And our spiritual lives aren't strong. But we can turn it around. We can let the people in our life be what they are supposed to be. Stop being brought into a place of being dissatisfied. I thank you for the things you have blessed us with. May we never take them for granted. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you learned something today. I hope this was a blessing to you. There's still other things that I've seen in there. I just don't, don't have time to, to bring them all out and, and do them. But tomorrow we've got a, a special video teaching for you. This may be something that you have never seen before. It's not something that we have uh, put up on this up until now but uh, he does a really nice job this guy is a preacher who teaches along the way and uh, my daughter had uh, found one of his his sermons and i enjoyed the first one i heard of his and maybe we'll bring that one up but this one's a little bit different because he he talks about the miracle in which jesus took somebody out of their setting in order to heal them and he gets in some nice observations sometimes we have to get out of our setting in order for god to work but there was two things I came out with listening to this thing. One, are there people in my setting that are holding me back? And two, have I ever become one of the people in the village that is holding other people back? When you listen to this sermon, I hope you'll, you'll listen to it for both ways. Am I one of the persons in the village whose words and whose actions are causing harm to others? In which in your order for Jesus to do what he wants to do in their life, he has to get them away from you. Or am I one of those people that I've allowed too many people in my life to speak doubt and unbelief? And in order for me to get the miracle, I have to get out from under that. So, hope you enjoyed it. This will be uh, post up there tomorrow. If you're on the email list, uh, if you don't get on Facebook, you would be on the email list and we'll send that over to you. Love to have you uh, enjoy that. Love to, your comments, too. Put some comments up. I Love to hear text back or Facebook comments up there just say hey I enjoyed this one I like this one this made me think those are always uh, always fun things to get. Wednesday night we're back into Ezekiel chapter 3. we were looking at the Feast of Israel.